perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We, for the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Though they are sliding him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with him earnestly, plead with him gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, Things like buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. String for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name of love, every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring, we live for you. All we live for you. Oh, baby. 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. All we live for you. Sacred 
Franklin told the following story in the introduction in his book, Acres of Diamonds. It was 1869, near the banks of the Tigris River, and Russell Conwell found himself on the back of a camel, listening to what seemed to be like the thousandth story told by his Arab guide. His guide told about a man by the name of Ali Hafed. And Ali Hafed owned a large farm. In many ways, he was blessed, he was content, until he had the pleasure of entertaining a stranger one day. An old priest came to visit, and by Ali Hafed's fireside, the priest told about the discovery of diamonds in distant land. And he said with a handful of diamonds, one could buy a whole country. And with a mine of diamonds, one could place his children upon thrones. Well, the next day, he sought out the priest and he begged, Tell me, where can I find diamonds? And the priest answered, he said, Well, if you find a river between high mountains that runs through white sands, in those white sands, you will always find diamonds. I want a mine of diamonds became the heart cry of Ali Hafed. 
And it was just what was, was on his mind and he, he couldn't shake it. And so he determined on that day that he was going to chase his dream. He sold his farm. He said goodbye to his wife and his children. And with a, with a final bold declaration, he said to them these words, When I come back, we'll be fabulously wealthy. You'll be set for life. Well, to make a long story short, he searched for diamonds in East Africa. He searched for diamonds in Palestine. He searched for diamonds in Europe. And he searched for diamonds in Spain. But he found no diamonds. And in a point of desperation and a point of despair, he decided to end his own life. And he was never seen again. Now, picking up Franklin's writing, he said, one day, the man who bought Ali Hafed's farm, he was leading his camel to a stream on his new property. Uh, it may have actually been the same camel that belonged to Ali Hafed. And as the camel was there drinking at the stream, a, a curious fight, a, a, a flash of light caught his eye. And walking back to his house, he, he laid this stone that he picked up, up on his mantle and thought nothing else about it. Well, the next day, that same priest stopped by. And pointing to the, the stone that was on the mantle, he said, that's a diamond. And the farmer shook his head and said, no, nothing of the sort. It's just a stone. And the priest said, I'm telling you, it's a diamond. Where did you find it? And so the priest followed that farmer to the garden by the stream. And the man who bought Ali Hafed's farm inadvertently found upon that farm the diamond mine of Golconda, the most magnificent diamond mine in all of history. In fact, crown jewels worn by royalty all over the world, including the Queen of England, came from that very mine, from the same land and the same garden and the same stream and probably with the same camel that Ali Hafed had left behind. You see, Ali Hafed searched all over the world to find what he already possessed, what he already had. As I read that story, I thought, what a sad story to leave behind your farm and your wife and your children, to search in vain for diamonds and in desperation to take your own life when you already had the diamonds and all the rest, but you gave it all up. But sadder still, I thought about it, that there are a lot of Christians who are like Ali Hafed, living on acres of diamonds, and yet in desperation searching for treasure everywhere else. If you're a Christian today, do you realize who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus? Do you know your, your true identity? Do you know who you really are and what you really possess? Well, we come back again today to Ephesians chapter 1. And I told you this series, Identity, Finding and Living Out Who You Truly Are, is going to take up the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And I want to go back and read Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 today. And what we're going to do, we began this last week and we ran out of time, is we're going to list out some of these spiritual riches, these treasures, and we're going to talk about them. And we only got through one last week, and that's okay. 
Because that's what God wanted us to get through. And, and I'll try to get through the rest of this passage today. And if we don't, that's okay too. I want to be real sensitive to the Lord's leading in this series. I really want you to leave from this series really knowing who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. That's a need in my own life. I don't even know really fully who I am and what I have in Christ Jesus. I want us to discover it together. And as you read today, I want to remind you what I reminded you of last week. And some maybe were not here last week. As I read this passage, as you follow along, I want you to look for a couple of phrases. I want you to look for the phrase, in Christ. And I want you to look for the phrase, in Him. Look for the phrase, in Christ and in Him. Because really, that's where these treasures are found. And I want you to notice how many times it mentions that. Are you ready to read the Scripture, Ephesians 1? Follow along as I read, beginning at verse 1 of Ephesians 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to an adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us all, in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory." We know that God will bless the reading of His Word. I've got to remind you, though, that the things I'm talking about today, these blessings, are for Christians. They belong to you if you belong to Christ. If you do not belong to Christ, I want to invite you to Christ. I want to invite you to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ alone. See, nothing saves, nothing saves, no one saves but Christ. Jesus said Himself, No man comes to the Father but through Me. So being in church won't save you. Being a church member won't save you. Tithing won't save you. Being good won't save you. Being baptized won't save you. Being on the church roll won't save you. Being a a person that does a lot of nice things, we will not save you. There's only one way to be saved, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is very plain. If you've never received Christ, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Christ has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to encourage you, if you've never received Christ, this is the moment, this is the hour. We're living, I believe, beloved, in the last days. 
Time is running out. You're not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. If you don't know Jesus, come to Christ today. Say, well, how do I do that? Just in faith. Just call out to Him. Trust Him. Give Him your life. Say, Jesus, I don't want my sin anymore. I give You myself. I give You my life. Save me. Cleanse me. Make me Your child. And the Bible says He will do that. I want to encourage you. If you've never received Christ, this is the moment. You say, well, everybody already thinks I'm saved. I, let them think what they want. How horrible to spend eternity in hell because everybody thought you were saved. Make sure you're saved. Get saved today if you're not saved. Now, if you are saved, did you catch what we just read? I've got to be honest with you. As I read this passage, it's a little bit overwhelming. It's a little bit just... Um, that's just a lot to process. It's a lot to take in to realize all that's said in those 14 verses. And what I want to do is kind of walk through them today. And remember I told you to watch for the phrase in Christ and in Him. Why? Because that's where these blessings come from. That's where these blessings originate. They're only ours because they are in Christ and we are in Christ. And so quickly let's walk through them. And again, we'll get as far as we can. All right? Uh, so we'll pretend we're at the grocery store trying to pick up the whole list and we're running out of time. So we'll get as much as we can in the buggy and then we've got to go. All right? Let me give you the first one again. We talked about it last time. He chose us. Everybody wants to be chosen. You want to be chosen. You want to be wanted. And Christian, can I just encourage you today with the good news that you are chosen by God. Look at verse 4 again. Just as He chose us in Him, that is in Christ, when? Before the foundation of the world. He chose you in Christ before you were even born before the world was even here, He chose you in Christ. And He did it, why? Because you're worthy? No. Because you're really something? No. None of us are. He chose us, why? Because of His grace. And to make it even more exciting, He chose us before we were even born. He chose us in Christ. And He chose us to belong to His family. I'm not going to camp out there. We talked about that last week. You can go back and get that on the recording and uh, you can listen to that whole message. I want to move on to the second thing that we have in Christ and these spiritual blessings and these riches. And that is He adopted us. He adopted us. Notice verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. If you're a child of God, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been adopted into His family. Now, we're just pointing out something very important that you and I need to understand. And that is, we are not, we don't get into God's family through adoption. We get into God's family through regeneration. We get in God's family through the new birth. We're born again. We trust the Lord Jesus. We're born into the family of God. But then where it says we're adopted into the family. Why does it say that? Well, as he mentioned there, adoption is the act where God gives us adult standing as sons of the Father. And why does he do this? Well, he does it because he wants us to immediately begin to claim our inheritance and enjoy our spiritual wealth. Now think about someone who's adopted into a family now. They may be adopted at a very young age. Maybe they're adopted at the age of five or ten. And they come into the family, they're adopted into the family as a child. And they're made a part of the family, but they cannot enjoy adult privileges. They cannot get the true inheritance and enjoy it when? Until they're an adult. But here's the good news. Yes, we're babes in Christ, but we're also adopted into the family as full-grown, mature people. Why? 
that we can enjoy the inheritance and the riches that are ours in Christ. We're born again and adopted so we can use this spiritual wealth that's at our disposal. And notice why He adopted us. It says it was because of the good pleasure of His will. Again, there's nothing attractive so much about us. God didn't look at us and say, well, I've got to... You know, we're not like a puppy dog in a window. You know, if you don't want a dog in your family, don't take your children to where they have dogs in the window to be adopted, right? And they're cute and they've got a big old... I want one, Mommy. I want one. I want one. You say, you look at it and they're going... And the dog's going... You say, okay, you can have them. That's not the idea at all. We were not cute puppy dogs. We were wretched, vile sinners shaking our puny fist in God's face. And yet God says, I choose you in Christ. I love you in Christ. I'll regenerate you and I'll adopt you into my family. And when I adopt you, you get all these riches in Christ. You become an adult in, in my family. You get to use the inheritance and the riches and all these things now. You know, it's one thing to be adopted. And we thank God for those who adopt and those who opened their families. We know that God loved us and He adopted us and He, he saved us. But it's one thing to be adopted, but it's another thing to be accepted. Because someone can be adopted in their family, but not truly accepted, which brings us to the third blessing here, and that is He accepted us. And doesn't everyone want to be accepted? Even those who claim they don't, they want to be accepted. One of the reasons so many young people especially go astray, why? Because they want to be accepted. And so they, they just kind of go along with the herd. By the way, boys and girls and teenagers, there's a herd that flows throughout your high school. You can hear them. And there they are. They're traveling along. And the truth of the matter is, you want to be accepted by that herd. But the problem is, the herd, oftentimes, they are not going in the right direction. So as the herd, as they're going along traveling there, you say, I need to get accepted. I need to go join the herd. No. Don't join the herd. You're already accepted. Christian young person, listen, you're already accepted. That's what the Bible says here. And the herd will lead you along a path. A lot of times, that's not the path that Christ wants you to walk on. So you have to say, no, I'm not going with the herd. I'm going to go counter. And the problem is, when you turn it, the herd's coming at you. And you've got to stand firm in Christ. But I want you to notice you're not alone. I want you to notice here it says, He accepted us. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He's made us, watch this, accepted in the Beloved. Talk about being accepted. But the question is, what does it mean, Beloved? He says He's accepted us in the Beloved. What does that mean? Do you notice, at least it is in my Bible, I don't know if it's in yours, that beloved there is capitalized. Did you notice that? Beloved is not just some abstract thing. Beloved here is a person. The beloved here is none other than Jesus Christ. Let me give you some Scripture. Matthew 3.17 And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is God the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son and whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 17, verse 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
hear Him. We're accepted today in the Beloved. Why? Because we're accepted in Christ. And so maybe you feel like you've never been accepted anywhere. Now, I talked to young people for a moment, but there are adults, so you, you've really never felt like you fit in anywhere. You've never really been accepted. You've always kind of been on the fringe. You've always kind of been excluded. You, you didn't get invited to the parties. You didn't get invited to the lake. You didn't get invited to the cool crowd. You didn't get invited even to join the herd. The herd rejected you. They just pushed you away. Maybe in your adult years, you have kind of a complex. You feel like, well, nobody accepts me. Can I just tell you today, and I want you to understand this. You're accepted in the beloved. You're accepted in Christ. God accepts you in Christ. You're adopted. You're safe. You're accepted. Why? It says we're adopted and accepted by the will of God for the praise and glory of His grace. I want you to really process this, and I'm taking my time, because I really want you to understand what I'm saying, and I want to understand it. And I want God to write this on the table of your heart. And I'm praying that this, this series will change us and help us to see exactly who we are. Because we need to know who we are. Because we're living in a day, we're living in a time where there is the pushback coming. There is persecution coming. There is all that coming at us. We need to know who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. And we are saved, we're regenerated, we're adopted in the family, we're accepted in the family. And what a glorious thing it is to realize that God accepts you and God accepts me, not based upon our righteousness, but because we're in the beloved, because we're saved, because we belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us. And so even when others reject you, and, and they will, one of the, the, the saddest things that's happened in Christendom, sad to say, is the fact that we, we, we've listened for so long to this false idea of the gospel that if you come to Christ, that your life's going to be all sunshine and roses and it's glorious and, and you're always going to drive around in nice cars and have nice clothes and live in big houses and, and never be sick and never do any of these things. And the reality is if you come to Jesus and you live for Jesus, you're going to face hardship and persecution and difficulty more than you did before. In fact, Jesus is very blunt and plain, isn't He? If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But in the midst of that, what a glorious thing to know that we're chosen by God, we're adopted by God, and we're accepted by God. To really understand who we are and what we have. In this passage, we kind of see how the Trinity works. We see God the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit. Brings us to our fourth treasure we have in Christ, and that is He redeemed us. Look at verse 7. Now notice it said there in verse number 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. We said the Beloved is a person, it's Christ, which makes sense when verse 7 says, in Him. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. This reminds us that the price has to be paid for us. We were slaves to sin. We were bound in sin. We were in bondage to sin. 
And we were redeemed. That is, we were bought back. We were set free. How? By the blood of the beloved. By the blood of the Lord Jesus. He gave His life that we might have life, that we might go free and be freed from the bondage of sin and the penalty of sin. Now listen, salvation is free to us, but it's not cheap. It's free to us, but it's not cheap. Why? Because it cost Jesus Christ His life, His blood. He gave His life that we might be forgiven. And He redeemed us. He bought us. And notice the next blessing. He also forgave us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 this time. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Notice this. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We were sinners by nature and sinners by choice, but we're forgiven by the grace of God. Somebody said that grace, G-R-A-C-E, you know what it stands for? It stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what we have here in Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. God's riches at Christ's expense. And all of these blessings are ours because of Christ, because we're in Christ. We're in the Beloved. Which brings us to um, the sixth blessing, that is, He enlightened us. He enlightened us. Notice verses 8 through 10. Which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made, watch this, known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth in Him. In other words, God has shared with us His plan. Not only His plan for the church, but His plan for the world. And when it mentions mystery there in the Scripture, mystery there means something that's not been revealed before. It's kind of a secret before, but now God has kind of opened it up. And we understand as believers and for students of the Bible that God is working all things out for Christ to rule and reign for all eternity. To set up His kingdom and rule and reign for all eternity. And as as Christian Bible students and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, we have insight into what's going on in the world that the lost person knows nothing about. We realize that we're not living under luck or chance or happenstance, but instead we're living under the sovereign hand of Almighty God that's carrying out everything to the perfection and completion of His perfect will. And that includes you and that includes me. Never forget this, beloved, that God is working out His plan and you and I are a part of that plan. And that is mind-boggling. We sang about it. How marvelous, how wonderful that Jesus would love us and save us, but then put us in the family, adopt us, give us an adult standing to enjoy all these blessings and use you and I as a part of His plan. You're not here by luck. You're not here by chance. You're not here just going through motions. Your life is being orchestrated by the hand of Almighty God. Mm, That's good stuff. Number seven. He included us. (laughs) We love to be included. Sometimes they choose you for the team because they have no other choice. You're the last. We talked about being accepted last week, right? And you're there. We talked about when they choose the teams and there you are. Hoping somebody chooses you. And, and they'll choose you eventually because why? They're, they have no choice, but they, they, they may choose you, but they won't include you. Look at what he did. I want you to notice when I read these verses, I want you to notice the word we and the word you. I'll emphasize this as I read. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. 
being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things. Watch this. Oh, this is good. The purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Now notice that change happens at verse 13. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Did you notice a change? You know why? The we there are believing Jews. The you there, that's me and you. That's believing non-Jews. Gentiles. Both have been brought together now in one body. That is the church. And notice both are in Him. The church, the, the body of Christ is made up of believing Jews and Gentiles. Those who believe, those who are in Him. Which brings us to the eighth blessing. And that is He secured us. Look at verses 13 and 14. In Him you also trusted. Notice, notice how it happened. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. In other words, we're sealed and we're secured by the Holy Spirit of God. Guaranteed. That is, we have a guaranteed inheritance. We can't even imagine to begin. We're just—we're not even scraping the surface of all this, y'all. Think about what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us, how? Through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. We're not even scratching the surface. And then beyond that, I cannot, we can't even imagine all that God has for us. So what do we do with all this? Because that's really where we live a lot of times. Come to church and what do we do with all this? Well, I think it's obvious we do what the Scripture says do here. That is, we praise the Lord. We bless the Lord. Did you notice that theme as we read? Verse number 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, to the praise and glory of His grace. Verse 12 says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. And the end of verse 14 says, to the praise of His glory. What, is the, what do we do? What do we take away from this? We praise the Lord. Why? Because in Christ we're filthy, rich with spiritual blessings. And that doesn't lead us to pride. Why? Because none of it's because of us. We weren't that cute puppy dog. We were that wretched, vile sinner over there. But God loved us and chose us and accepted us and adopted us and blessed us and sealed us and did all these things. So we don't swell up with pride. We swell up with praise. The praise of the Father. The praise of the Son. The praise of the Holy Spirit. But we don't always act like that. You know why? Because we live a lot like Ali Hafed. We have all these riches beneath our feet and we don't even realize it. So we look over here. I've got to get over there. I've got to get over there. I want to go with the herd. The herd is over there. Maybe they have the answer. No, over there has been. Maybe I get up, I get up there. Over there. And yet at the end, we're still left disillusioned and downcast and discouraged. Why? Because we have all these riches. We're looking out over there instead of looking there in Him. 
in Christ. Verse 3, the key. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every, every, notice that, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So, why the struggle? I know we're out of time, but give me just another minute here. Well, let's be honest. A couple more minutes. Why the struggle? Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who, will notice this, who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's the problem. So what do you mean? We would say it this way. To the saints who are in Ansonville and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Notice it says that we're in both at the same time. Today, if you're a child of God, you're a saint in Ansonville, right this moment, and you're also a faithful one in Christ Jesus. This deals, this deals with something that we struggle with at times in the Christian life. It's the already and not yet. In, in Christ, we have everything. We're perfect. We're, we're just like Jesus. Because we're, we're in Jesus. We have His righteousness. We're in Him in the heavenlies. But we still live here. In a sin-cursed fallen world. And our old nature battles us. So we have these things already in Christ, but not yet from a human standpoint. Max Anders tells a story, kind of gets at this, and I'll close with this. We started out in 1869 with Ali Hafed. We end in 1875, six years later. Anders said, imagine the year is 1875 and you're prospecting for diamonds and you're in the remote mountains of South Africa far from the nearest civilization. Somehow a carrier finds you and tells you that your rich uncle in San Francisco died. <laughs> and he has left you abundant riches, a vast fortune. But to collect this vast fortune, you have to personally present yourself to a certain attorney in that city. Now, at that moment, you're there far from the nearest civilization in, in South Africa, and you realize that you're fabulously wealthy. You own a mansion. You have a summer home. You have fine clothes and concerts and powerful connections. All these things are waiting for you. There's only one problem, though. You are not in San Francisco to enjoy the vast riches. Now, there's some joy in the anticipation. I mean, you realize now, you know, I don't have to search for diamonds. I already got all this money and stuff. But the problem is the courier says you've got to go to San Francisco. And, and the good news is the courier, he did bring along enough money, plenty of money to pay for your return trip home. Remember, it's 1875. It'll take you three weeks of hard travel just to get to Cape Town. It'll take you three more months over the rough seas to get to New York. And it'll take you another six months of bone-jarring travel across the United States to San Francisco. Wealthy beyond measure. But you have to wait at least ten months 
of hard living before you can enjoy all that wealth. Here's what he wrote. The Christian is in a similar situation. The Bible presents a picture we can barely imagine. Wealth and purpose and love and power await us in heaven. But for now, the limitations of earth are very much upon us. But the reality is we're no longer earthlings. Just earthlings. We've been chosen and adopted into a royal family. We're children of God. We're citizens of heaven. And we have to learn to live and do what's expected of us and act like it while we live in the world right now. Beloved, Christian, that is who you are in Christ. That is what you have in Christ. That is. This is your identity in Christ. And Christ has been blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Let's live like it. Let's act like it. And let's bless Him for all that He's given to us. Father, we love You today. We praise Your holy name. Help us to understand this truth. Write it on our minds. Write it on our hearts. Help us to realize who we are and what we have. And help us to take advantage of it and use these spiritual resources for the praise and honor and glory of Your great name. Lord, we renounce pride and arrogance at this moment. All of this is because of Your grace. We praise You for it. We thank You for it. So Lord, continue to teach us in this book and help us to live every day to the praise of Your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing one verse today in our closing hymn. Thank You for Your patience. I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it to realize what You have and who You are. And if it doesn't excite You, then you might need to go on the altar today and see what it is that's not quite right in your heart. Our closing hymn, Draw Me Nearer, 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 Blessed Lord. We'll just stand and sing the first verse and then you're dismissed. Go and live for the Lord Jesus. 535, let's stand and sing. I am thine, O Lord, draw me nearer. Let's stand and sing. But I love